0: An incredible from a human perspective thought for us to grapple with this this woman without the normal natural way of having a baby was was pregnant was expecting because the Spirit of God had overshadowed her and implanted a seed in her womb now <clears throat> some find that difficult to believe but really if you believe in a God who's omnipotent and he can do whatever he wants, then that really was no problem for him. He can do anything that he wants to do. But <clears throat> also have this thought. You know, it had to be that way. All of us are sinners. We're born sinners. It's just the way we are. It's part of what we are. It's part of who we are. It's From the first moment we're born, it's, it's just a reality of life. But <clears throat> if we were going to have a Savior that was able to pay the price for our sins, it had to be somebody who didn't know sin. It had to be somebody who was never touched with it. It had to be somebody different to the rest of us. And the problem with the sacrifice that would actually pay for our sin was that there was nobody but God that could actually pay for our sin. And so it had to be that he was born untouched by human sin. So it had to be a virgin birth. Jesus could not be born in the normal way. Or he would have been dying for his own sin. But because he was perfect, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, he was clean and holy and righteous, and able to pay the price for our sin. But there's another picture here for us in the, in terms of this birth. When God gave us a sacrifice for our sin, he 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 obviously, if we want to put it technically or judicially, right, he created a circumstance where he could actually pay. The price, and it could. You see, God is a God is a, a holy God, a righteous God. Sin must be paid for, but He also loves, and He created a way that He could combine mercy and righteousness in one uh, and pay the price for our sin. But He also did this in it. He demonstrated His love for us, and He gave us a picture that's very close to our hearts. I have one son; he is precious to me. I would not sacrifice him for anyone. Realistically, uh, you know, that's just. Un- thinkable for us that we would sacrifice a son. You know, we look at these kids up singing here. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we look at Usheen and, and um, Connor and, and Aiden, uh, And we look at each one of them are precious. We, we would not sacrifice our children not for anything. And when God sent his son, he was giving us a picture. He was giving us a picture of how much he loved us! And really, the story of Christmas is about the love of God touching humanity. And let's not miss it. But um, He's born. He was born. Secondly, this day. Now, this day doesn't mean much to us. But if you were an Israelite that lived before Jesus was born, or indeed many that lived since then, right? Much of your thinking would be that you're waiting on the birth of the Messiah. Israel has been through her ups and her downs, her trials and her troubles, her high points and her low points. And she's in one of her low points right now. Uh, Rome rules. And they hate it. They hate it. They have no freedom in their own land there under the thumb of Rome. And uh, whenever they step out of line, it gets really nasty. Rome was nasty when you stepped out of line. Rome kept the, the, the Roman peace for, for many years and they kept it by being ruthless. And you, Israel's living under that. And Israel's remembering back the glory days of David and of Solomon. And they, they know the promises of the scripture and they know there's a Messiah coming. And in their minds and in their hearts, this Messiah that's going to come is going to fix everything for them. He's going to set it all straight. He's going to work it all out. He's going to remove the yoke of Rome and he's going to make things right. And everybody in Israel has this in their mind. Would it come in my lifetime? And they're waiting for the birth of a Messiah. They're waiting for this day. They're waiting for this day. Now, it's interesting to me that in many senses, the day actually came upon them unawares. You know, the Pharisees, uh, when Herod asked them where the baby was born, they could say, uh, Bethlehem. They knew. But you know what? They didn't go. You know, and, and, and while they're waiting, they miss it. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But there's a prophecy to be fulfilled. And when Jesus was born on the earth, the greatest miracle that ever happened comes to fulfillment. God became human flesh. Great is the mystery of Godliness. That God was made manifest that God was made manifest in human flesh. That's the miracle. Whoa! That's, That's unthinkable. But this day came about. God said it would, and it did. Let me say this to you, that all God's prophecies will be fulfilled. All of God's prophecies will be fulfilled. And to the last detail... Nothing of it is going to fail. All that God said is going to happen is going to happen. And it's going to happen exactly on time as far as God is concerned and everything is going to come about just as he said, when this baby was born, prophecy of a long time came to fruit, happened. It was real. God had touched down. God, had, was, God was born. God uh, became human and took on human flesh. And all the rest of God's prophecies Every last one of them are going to come through. I think we're li- living in prophetic times. I really do. I think we're living when, in a day when God is actually touching us again, and things are beginning to happen, and things are beginning to uh, speed up as far as winding it all up is concerned. You know that there are more prophecies in the Old Testament about the second coming of Jesus than there are about the first. There are more prophecies there. It's 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 a more prophetic thing. Now, and I think just as Israel maybe got tired waiting, you know, the church kind of gets tired waiting for the Lord to come back and begins to to relax and think, you know what, maybe it's not going to happen. It won't happen in our lifetime. But you know, the prophecy was given to us and we were told, listen, it's going to happen. He's coming back. And just as he came the first time, he will come the second time. He will be here. I wonder, are you ready? Are you ready for that day when he actually comes? Are you ready for that day when he comes back again? Now, let me just insert some thoughts for you here. If you think he's coming back as a baby again, he's not. He's coming back with a sword in his mouth. He's coming back uh, to rule. He's coming back as a judge. He's coming back with justice. But When he comes back the second time, it's not not to, to be born as a baby. You see, we live in a day of grace. We live in a day when we can actually cry out to him and ask him to save us. and uh, <coughs> Grace flows, flows freely in our day and age. But when he comes back, it's not going to be like that. When he comes back, he's going to come back as the judge of all the earth. He's going to come back to right all the wrongs. And are you ready? Are you ready for his return? First of all, are you born again? Most important thing of all, are you born again? Are you his child? And the second thing, you're walking for, with him and living for him. Is it real to you? Are you living uh, for him in this day and age? There really is nothing more important when it comes down to it. You see, just as it was prophesied that he would come the first time, <clears throat> he did. He came. He was born. He lived. He changed the world forever. All prophecy. And it came about. We could go through the Bible and we would find prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that he's coming again. Are you ready? Right. Third thing I see here is in the city of David. Now, the city of David was Bethlehem. Right. The city of David was not Jerusalem. That's where David ruled from when he was a king. But he did not rule from, from uh, he, did not, he was not raised uh, in uh, Jerusalem. He was He was raised in Bethlehem. He was raised around that area. That would have been his stomping ground. That would have been the place where he was, where his father was raised, where he was raised. Uh, and it was to be in the city of David. And again, prophecy comes in here because in Micah five two it says this: "But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though there be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, of everlasting, from everlasting. Right? Now, uh, if we were to go to Bethlehem today, we'd find it's a vast. Well, <clears throat> well it's a larger city, right? Uh, it's it's a big, but it wasn't in those days. It was small. When Joseph took Mary there uh, <clears throat> for the taxation, he was taking her to a small place. It wouldn't have been hard to fill up all the rooms in the inn. Because it wasn't a place uh, people went. It wasn't a place where people went to visit like they do today. Uh, it's a huge tourist place in our day and age. It wasn't like that. It was just a small place. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was little. It was insignificant. It had no significance for anybody. But hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the Bible tells us, Bethlehem, you're the place where he's going to be born. Now remember what it took to bring Jesus to Bethlehem, because Joseph and Mary didn't live in Bethlehem. They, they, their families had long moved out of there. That, that was the, the old place to them. Right? They didn't live there. Remember what it took to actually get them to Bethlehem. I mean, the emperor of the world, Caesar, had to decide, you know what, I'm, go- I'm going to have <clears throat> uh, a taxation, a census. I'm going to get everybody back to their home places so I can count them. And, and that's what he did. And he sent out a decree, and everybody had to move back to their home places to be counted. And the place where Joseph was going to have to go because of, uh, uh, of his family was Bethlehem. Now, isn't that a coincidence? Not at all. That's the plan. God planned. God said it was going to happen, and God brought it about. God said he would do it, and he brought it about, and he brought it to, uh, to Bethlehem. Fourth thing I want you to see is this, though. He calls him a savior. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a savior. Now, Israel was waiting for a savior. They were waiting for somebody to come in and step in and save them from their troubles. They were waiting for somebody to come in and, you know, put the smile on the other side of the Romans' faces. They were waiting for somebody who was going to give them the upper hand again. They were fed up of being downtrodden, of being underfoot. They were fed up. They wanted freedom, and they wanted the glory days back. And they assumed that the Messiah, when he comes, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to be a savior. They read uh, that he was going to deliver them, and that's what they thought he was going to deliver them from. But Israel had a much bigger problem than Roman rule. And the bigger problem that Roman had than Roman rule was this. They were sinful people. Though they were God's people, though they were God's children, they were at odds with God because of sin. And they had a much bigger problem than the fact that the Romans were ruling over them. They, they needed a savior to save them from the penalty and the power of their sins. That's what they needed. They needed somebody to step into the pages of history that was going to actually defeat sin in them and defeat sin for them. But that wasn't where their focus was. And that's why they missed it. They missed deliverance because it wasn't the kind of deliverance they were looking for. They missed their Savior because this wasn't the kind of Savior that was going to save them from, from Rome. I mean, if you'd watch Jesus when he came at uh, to age and uh, and he began his public ministry, you know, he, he didn't look like a warrior king. He didn't look like somebody who could could could, could straighten the whole thing out. And he didn't, like, didn't look like somebody who was going to put Rome to flight. And you know what? They missed it completely. They thought, well, you know what? He, he can't be the Messiah. He's not doing what we expected him to do. Now... <clears throat> Let me say this to you. Um, We need to understand that sometimes we miss what God is doing in our lives because it's not what we thought was going to happen. We miss. We've got one idea of what our problem is. And we want God to fix our problem. We want God to deal with our issue, the one we see, and we miss. God doesn't just see your problem. He sees the root of your problem. And God goes after the root of your problem. And we get upset and we get fed up and we get bent out of shape because, you know, what God is giving us is not what we need. And God is saying, you don't know what you need. I do. And in our lives we need to understand that, that God knows what it is that we need. And he's a deliverer. But he delivers us from the most important things. Not from the irritations and the things that bother us. He delivers us from the most important things. You see, Israel missed their Savior because he wasn't delivering them from what they wanted to be delivered. And I think sometimes we miss the hand of God working in our lives. Because it's not what we want him to do. And what he's saying is, you don't know what you need. I'll tell you what you need. This is what you need me to do in your life. And he works in our lives uh, to bring things about. Now we can fight against him or we can cooperate with him. We fight against them and life gets difficult. But when we cooperate with them, you know what? Life gets sweet. Even in hard times. Even in difficulty. You know, <clears throat> but God wants to deliver you from the important things. God wants to deliver you from the penalty of sin. The Bible says the ways of sin is death. And then Revelation says, and death and hell were cast into, le- into the lake of fire. The penalty of sin is pretty harsh. The penalty of sin means that you and I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus wants to deliver you from that. That's what he came for. He came and paid the price for your sin and my sin, and he wants to deliver us from that penalty. And how he delivers us when we come to the place where we say, Yes, Lord. Where we accept what he has done. Where we surrender to him and say, Lord, I want you. I need you. And he, in that moment, delivers you from sin. From its power. From its penalty. Let me say this to you, believer, too. He wants to deliver you from the power of sin. It's inconceivable that God's plan would be to deliver me from the penalty of sin and let me carry on in sin. That's inconceivable. What God did in Jesus Christ was He delivered me also from the power of sin. Because of what Christ has done, I don't need to sin. I don't need to do wrong. There's no excuse for me doing it now. He's delivered me from both the power and from the penalty of it. But that's what he was going after. That's that's what he wants to deliver you from. Some of you this morning have problems in your life and difficulties and you're upset about this and that and the other in your life and you're feeling like God doesn't care and God doesn't want to help. When God says, you have no idea. I have provided for you. I have cared for you. I have done exactly what is best for you. And we need to let go and accept, you know what God, you know best and accept that He is the Savior that we need. And it says that He is Christ the Lord. Now, you know what? That is deep. Christ means uh, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He is the the Anointed One. And Luke calls Him the Lord. That He is Christ the Lord. Well, who we're dealing with here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Fully God. Now, let me encourage you to think this one true. It's easy for you to look at the idea of... um, Jesus Christ, and accept. he was a nice guy, you know, we're Christians, and it's Christmas, and we want to be nice, so we can accept that he's a nice guy. Uh, we can accept that he's a great teacher. You know, we can accept that you know he did great things while he was here, and he healed people and he did, did all. But son of God, yeah, he was the son of God, so that he was as fully God as God was. No difference. When Jesus died on the cross. The, the Bible says that he rose again from the dead. Now, he raised himself from the dead. How does a dead person raise themselves? Dead person, people can't do anything. Jesus raised himself from the dead. He was fully God. He lived. He died. He was buried. And then he rose himself from the dead. And when he rose himself from the dead, what he did was, that was the ultimate proof to anybody who wanted to believe that he was who he said he was, and that he had the power to do all those things he said he would do. Really, if you accepted that he rose from the dead, there was no question after that. He had done all of it. And that's what he did. He proved himself to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead, the Bible says. That he showed who he was. He showed his power. So that when we're dealing with the babe in the manger, when we're dealing with the birth of a Savior, what we're looking at is looking at a Savior that was born and that had the power to save and that proved that he had the power to save. So when I ask you to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, I'm not asking you to do a hope so kind of trust. I'm not asking you to say, well, I hope he can do it. No, no, he's proven he can do it. The only thing that's missing if you're not saved this morning is your willingness to let him do it. Your willingness to say, Lord, you're a Savior. You lived. You died for my sin. Lord, will you save me? Your willingness to humble yourself and accept the salvation that Jesus brings. That's the only thing that's missing. It really is as simple as that. <clears throat> You know, we got lots of gifts under our our Christmas tree uh, this morning. And each one of the gifts has to be received and opened for it to become yours. Jesus is the gift of Christmas. But you have to receive him and open him. You have to receive that gift and say, yes, Lord, I want you. Finally, we'll go back to the beginning of our verse. It says, for unto you. Isn't that wonderful? Unto you. Now, unto you who? well, Unto you, this is an angel speaking to shepherds. Now, shepherds were not the intelligentsia of their day. And they were not the wealthy people of their day. They were just shepherds. Oftentimes, they were ceremonially... Uh, they were defiled as far as ceremony was concerned. And, you know, they weren't even wanted around the place because of their job. They were just shepherds. They were just... Nobody's. but you know what the angels came and gave the message to them unto you but there was also a message for wise men there was a message for kings if they would have it there was a message for religious people if they would have it it was unto you unto everybody gathered here this morning and unto everybody gathered out there a Savior is born. It's great news now. <clears throat> We're left with the <clears throat> with this. We've got to receive it. Now you can open all the gifts when you go home. Maybe you've opened them already. And you can open all the gifts and you can have the giving and taking and you know what? The gifts get opened and they get put away and they get worn out. And, they... and the greatest gift is in many people's lives left under the tree. The most important gift. Jesus Christ, your Savior. He came unto you. Don't miss the blessing of Christmas. The blessing of Christmas is a Savior that came for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. for this morning we thank you Lord for your love we thank you for your goodness oh Lord would you bless us Lord may we not miss the blessing you have for us this Christmas Lord if there would be one here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior Lord may today be the day and Lord for those who do may it be a day of rejoicing Lord may it be a day when we rejoice and we recognize your wonder and your grace and your power in saving us and Lord may we yield ourselves to you